The fact that humans are not the only species that smiles and laughs have led researchers to suggest that humor has an evolutionary basis. Hello listeners and welcome to Squeezing the Orange of Social Science, a podcast co-hosted by myself, comedian Akin Omobitan and Professor Dan Cable. On each episode, the two of us pick apart, peer-reviewed and published social science papers, squeezing them for their best bits so that you, the listener, don't have to sift through pages and pages of academic literature. What's up, Dan? Hi, Akin. How are you doing today? I'm feeling really good today, thanks. Feeling Fabulous. Good. Yeah, feeling Fun right. study that we're going to deal with today. And with us, we have a guest. I want to introduce Jem Carmella. Jem is a London-based writer, comedy performer, screenwriter, and mixed Turkish Italian heritage. Welcome, Jem. Bit of flavor in there for you. (laughs) Thanks for having me on. Yeah, we're delighted to have Jem on. So the the study that we're looking at, Jem actually wrote a piece on this paper, and it was published in, was it The Independent? Yeah, it was published in The Independent online, and then it was uh, published again, not with my words, I might add, Mm. naughty people oh, okay um, it was published again in the eye paper and they massively changed it but my name's still on there oh well oh there you go oh super so, <laughs> so yeah we're looking at a bit of like it's a bit tasty this study is oh, this yeah. study is a bit tasty so it's titled sex differences in humor production ability humor a- production i even like that yeah yeah what does that even mean humor production <laughs> And we're going to give shout-outs to oh, Gil Greengross, uh, Paul Silver, and Emily Nussbaum. Uh, so, like, to kind of, like, uh, jump us off. So, like, what we're kind of looking at here is this question of, is there a difference in the male and female capacity slash capability mm. of producing humour, of being funny? Is there a difference? Does it mean anything? Is it measurable? Is it salient? And what does that then tell us? Interesting so, stuff. So this yeah. is, this is before we fully get into uh, the paper and the science of it, um, so Dan, did you want to tell us a bit about like meta-analysis yeah. in terms Ooh. of like science yeah. and what yeah. does, what can we, yeah, get, yeah, give us a little bit of well, a, a little crash course. <laughs> a lot of us think it's a bit boring if we just start there. A meta-analysis is not doing your own research where you set up a study and you make people be funny. Instead, you get up above that, thus the word meta, and you say, of all the research that any human has ever done, what's the trend? What's (laughs) the overriding trend? Like if these six studies say that men are funnier and these six studies say that women are funnier and these ones over here don't know, what if we go up above all the studies and ask the big question, what does the field show us? Yeah. And so really, that's kind of it. I mean, Jim, Jim, when you first saw this, did you know what a meta-analysis was? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I do read a lot of science. I'm a bit of a nerd. Why? Yeah. Well, they, they I just really that question, enjoy then. it. I really Same. enjoy it. Like, I'm one of those people that I think suffered the, uh, just to segue slightly, you know, at school, you get told, like, if you do these subjects, you also have to do these subjects with them. Yeah. So I got pushed in the direction of humanities ah. and art. But actually, I was I had good science grades. I could have done science. And as an adult, I kind of regret like mm. maybe not taking the I biology have educational regrets as well. Yeah, it's, it's what I do enjoy actually is as a, as an adult, you can kind of do what you want. And for a lot of people, that just means eating like family sized bags of Doritos <laughs> alone and like 
it just means bad diet and just like I don't have to exercise I mean, speak so I yourself, won't mate. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> but it's so fascinating that as adults like we also have this ability to like self-educate and yeah. we're fortunate enough to live in a time now where that's just made easier like as a kid you had to go to the library find books and then actually read them now you can just hear someone else's opinion of it on YouTube and it seems like that similar thing has happened with this study yeah. where what's happened is instead of people actually reading the study the uh, the the papers and the media outlets have got hold of it and they've kind of like spun it to make it a lot yeah. more salacious than it actually is which is why I thought it'd be quite good to get three individuals who are quite interested in the science mm-hmm. to discuss the science of it and the actual topics and the findings themselves as well I'm yeah, interested absolutely. in um, how today Akin and I on the show yeah. talk about psychological safety a lot yeah and it's a concept that means you feel free to take an interpersonal risk without thinking you're going to get hurt and when so that comes a lot down to culture right culture and expectations yeah Yeah. same thing yeah yeah same thing expectation within culture obviously is is not a static thing it will change depending on cultural norms i feel like this is a space the male female different search that is not very psychologically safe right now. Mm. I feel like right now it's politically correctness driven a lot and that real science on this can be made hyped rather than looking at what the researchers did and what the results showed. And Mm. by the way, I'm even nervous slash worried about that. I feel like I'm on pins and needles because of how scrutinized anything you say in this area of men versus women you know comparing the two and all this so i wondered what what are your what were your thoughts on that well first of all massive caveat to this study and the people that they're talking about they are talking about as far as they know heterosexual cis men and cis women so that already for me is like well you know Yes, you are right. We are more woke than that now. We know that that is. I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you are. I can don't pretend pretend for humour. No, but it's it's one of those things where yeah, you because you're bombarded now in a maybe good or bad way. I don't know how how we feel about it. You're bombarded with different viewpoints and different people and different representations of what a human being is in our culture. So I'm specifically talking about the culture that we three inhabit. Yeah, so like the whole weird culture, like Western... um, Industrialised. Industrialised, democratic, (laughs) and there's something else in there as well. Blah, blah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blah, blah, something culture that that we take for granted as culture, even though obviously there's more culture than that in the world. But yeah, so it's, it is it is a dangerous time. It's really, uh, I mean, I'm at that point now where if I tweet anything, like I will write it, look at it, delete it, write it again, look at it, and then ultimately decide. I don't really need to say that, so just not tweet anything. Like if it's if it's an opinion on something. This is so wonderful <laughs> to hear as well because my, my attitude is very different. Like I yeah. just... Like, in terms of, like, how I interact with people, I try to surround myself with people that I feel psychologically safe with. Uh, So Twitter is very different because you're putting stuff out there publicly. But I apply my personal approach to Twitter as well. So I'll just put stuff out there. And I'm just... Because I'm very open when it comes to conversation. I'm very happy to be wrong. And I feel like one of the benefits of being wrong is that if you have individuals around you who are able to correct you, by being wrong is an opportunity for you to gain greater insight. Whereas I feel as if I'm always trying to maybe like not offend or to 
to, to or I'm trying to be correct. Mm-hmm. I'm therefore mm-hmm. not allowing myself opportunities to grow yeah. by being corrected. But that's just my personal individual nature. Yeah. I feel a certain I feel a sense of like pride when someone corrects me and the pride that I feel is that my humility is at a level where I'm happy to be corrected because I feel I then come out of that exchange a bit more open-minded a bit more knowledgeable and I can then move forward in that regard mm-hmm. so when I say that I'm not woke yeah, I mean I was gonna say. Is, I'm not really I'm not really trying to be I'm just I just would I would rather be myself than be woke and in being myself it means sometimes I'm just wrong and to, to acknowledge that, yeah. it gives me the yeah. opportunity to then, therefore, go forward being a bit more, like, objectively... No, but are you subjectively, funny? Right. Are Am you I, funny? Uh, objectively, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you produce humour? What is your humour production I'm humor, function? I'm, I'm a humour producer. So this study, like, I found... Because, like, we, if, we, if we do dive, like, into some of the... Like, the overall finding is this study is saying that doing this meta-analysis, yeah. looking at, like tens of studies and trying to aggregate information yeah. it's saying just that just roughly I think it was yeah. 5,000 yeah. which something. is like a large that's a large number but that's not 5,000 from one study no no that's I'm aware 30, of that 5,000 yeah. total yeah. and some Six. quite small studies actually but the, the reasons for because I can't I, I was very I guess for me personally reading it I was impressed at the reasons why they omitted studies oh yeah so they did so with this knowledge that like, because Dan and I talk about this a lot on this podcast, mm. this idea of our biases. And, like, every day in every interaction, it's us versus our biases. Absolutely. So they, they put in several measures to say, maybe we'd love to include this this data or these findings. Mm-hmm. But when we look at certain factors of it, it could be subject to certain biases, which means that it's not necessarily going to produce something that's of value. And yeah. what's also interesting about the meta-analysis that they, they looked into as well, the studies that they looked into weren't asking the question that they were asking. Yes. So they had to use findings from it to then try to produce conclusions. And you might want to say a bit about that, Dan, as well, because that sounds like it might be a challenge of... It's like better. taking it's better. It's better. Yeah. A perspective on this would be so much of the research that we do, you have this hypothesis. If you don't find that hypothesis, it kind of doesn't get published. Yeah. And that's a shame, but unfortunately that's how things work. What they did is they said any study where you're looking at humor production where we have data on male versus female, we'll go ahead and put that in there. Yeah. And in my mind, that actually is a lot more safe because mm-hmm. it means you're going to get a load of studies in there where they weren't looking at men versus women funniness, but that's what we can extract from what they yeah. did in research. Is that what you would have said? Yeah, so? yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And what's interesting about this study is like that they do make such an effort to outline, as I can said, all these biases that they're aware of. And even in their results, they're saying, actually, we're taking into account the biases that exist because of the time. Like some of these go back to the 70s. Yeah. I mean, so and also the nature of the type of humour they look at. They're only looking at a visual based humour. So it's like, you know, people. Oh, wait, verbal based. Ver- was it? Yeah. Oh, I, think it, it yeah, I think it was verbal. Verbal, verbal humor. Yeah. Can't yeah. remember. <laughs> a V. It begins with V. That is a great point, yeah. actually, because what it's finding is that it, the, the, the study finds that men are funnier than women in terms of the ability to produce verbal humor. Mm. So this is just their study, but they acknowledge that there's several limitations. And one of those limitations is the 
the the verbal element of it. So as as individuals, especially if you're if you're if you've watched comedy, you don't even need to be a massive fan. Mm. You're very much aware that there's several different ways of making people laugh. You've got slapstick, you've got narrative, you've got one-liners, you've got storytelling. Um, there's there's so many observation comedy. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so there's so many. So this was looking in a in a specific kind of field and then saying okay then based on all of these studies these 5000 people what can we pull from that in terms of and what does that allow us to kind of like understand and derive from differences between yeah. male and female and just to kind of link back to the prior point i think you made a point about it being like heterosexual cis i feel like one of the challenges as someone who's not conducted science myself mm. one of the challenges is that you the question does I would and Dan you might be able to jump in on this as well the question does need to be quite specific because the more you kind of like broaden that it, it for me it seems the the greater the task of the work the the work sorry but then also possibly the looser the findings as well in terms of like just having so many different variables yeah. how do you then come to a finite conclusion Sure, but you know we all know gay people exist, obviously. So therefore, we're saying that they're not funny. I I assumed (laughs) they were in the sample. That was my assumption. Well, they would. Some of the things were done when homosexuality was illegal, so we don't know. But they would have still been gay. However, the what they extrapolate from these results is about creating babies basically that humor mm. is there because we need to breed and humor is there because we need to otherwise dive into we that. don't breed well, you, but let's, well let's dive um, into it yeah, yeah let's yeah, dive yeah, into yeah, that because that's, that's, that's my that, biggest issue that breeding element i thought was um so this was kind of like going into what like evolutionary psychology that's it. and so i didn't necessarily find that to be what they were concluding i think they were establishing why they were interested in asking the question that was my I guess, assessment of it and my kind of like why they felt like this was something that was going into and what they kind of looked at. And if I want to do like a a bit of a a dirty conclusion or a dirty kind (laughs) of like, it's just this idea that dudes tend to rely a lot more on humor as a way of enticing mates. And they were suggesting that women are more into dudes who are funnier because they're showing a degree of like mental fitness. So like when you're trying to assess someone, you can give them a good look up and down and be a bit like, oh, I like a bit of that pie or whatever it is yeah. that people kind of like uh, like to taste. But like when you actually start engaging with someone, you're looking for, I guess, kind of like you're looking for cues a in terms of quality differentiator. Yes, like, like the peacock tail. Yeah. Or a bright colored throat or something like this, which is supposed to give an external signal about your fitness in that environment and your ability to secure resources, etc., etc. Here's a question, though. Why are some people not funny, then? Like, if it is socially advantageous for us to breed funniness and pass that along in our genes... Why are some people just not funny? It's, that's such a fantastic and question. Maybe most. <laughs> in my experiences, if you have a room of a hundred people, eighty are not that it's funny. Really, <laughs> it's like it's a question that we can really like peel back a bit because there's some individuals like fu- like humor is so subjective. Absolutely. So some individuals who I might not think are funny whatsoever, if you put them in a room with maybe three of their closest friends. They might be like, they might be the one who brings the joy. And then I think another reason behind it is I think some people don't feel they need it. Some Mm -hmm. people are like, just like, 
intimidatingly intelligent. And so they use that to peacock. They're like, I'm intelligent. That's going to be the thing that I show. And I think with like, um, with wealth, for example, some people have a lot of money. So they're a bit like, that's my thing. Some people are really tall. Some people might be really curvaceous. I feel like if you've got something, you're a bit like, that's my thing. And that's what I'm going to like give to the world. And humor is such an interesting one because you have to have an appetite to develop that. Yeah. Like you have to be able to, like if you're telling jokes, you've got to be willing to have people find it inappropriate, not funny, <laughs> like the wrong time. So like people who are funny, especially as like as adults, as all three of the, mm. us are, people who are still funny now as adults, they've not been funny probably more times than they no. have been, but they keep putting themselves out there so that they can develop that muscle in themselves to be a bit like, when I'm in social situations, this is what I'm going to add mm. to the table. This yeah. is what I'm going to add to the gathering. Mm. And other people are just like, I just don't really need to take mm. that risk or I don't want to. Yeah. And so they're just a bit like, nah. So you are perfectly there articulating this cultural construct that we have in our culture, as we've already defined it, where uh, if the feedback loop is continue being goofy, continue trying to be witty, continue with your silly stories, then you're going to like amplify that in your own experience of life and you're yeah. going to keep doing it. If you're, absolutely. If your feedback is stop being so silly, do something sensible stop being so silly you should sit quietly in the corner stop being so silly put some makeup on and smile then you're not going to develop that muscle because exactly. it's a waste I of your time and really, energy yeah you like you nail it there like and i feel like when we especially when we talk about the social elements of it mm. and i feel that's what in terms of just like loosely looking at it i feel like that's what allows men to develop that muscle a lot more where mm. the the roles the expectations the perceptions the way that we perceive the 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 different um the different genders the different sexes and, and i remember talking to a friend about this and it was just this idea of like just pure fun and how like <laughs> boys enjoy doing things for pure fun and i believe this is partly because when we were kids we would get leniency on that like, if you break something as a boy, it's like, oh, he's just a boy. Yeah. Or if you say something ridiculous, it's a bit like, oh, that's a boy. Boys say uh, silly things or they yeah. say rude things. Yeah, pass. Yeah. And so, yeah. like, when you get that pass, going back to psychological safety, you just feel a bit more comfortable being Absolutely. a bit like... And you feel more encouraged to try more. Yeah. 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 And it's even it even comes down to really small things like taking up space. And that doesn't just mean physical space. It can yeah. mean like the air in the room, for yeah. want of a better way of putting it. Yeah. Like if you are taking over a conversation and you're a tiny woman like I am, sometimes people look at you and they're like, who is this? Yeah. But what if it was you, Rakim, walking in, we'd all be looking at you. You're tall. You're handsome. More, you've got a commanding voice. It's like people expect you to own yes. a room. And so, yeah, it's a different thing. It's like, for me, it's like, mm. it, what ego has this person got? Like? I have to jump in with um, something that's been painful with me about this study. A important part of the way they're defining humor production ability Actually, should we highlight how they've well, defined it? Because I don't think we have yet. I'm upset that they're calling it a cognitive trait. And I like what you're doing mm. right now, Jem, because you're talking about as more of a socialized yeah. skill. And I like that a lot better. I'm way more comfortable mm. thinking of it as a practice skill that some people get more encouragement to define mm. and refine. Mm -hmm. And what I'm from the get go, this idea that they're defining as a cognitive trait it makes it seem as though, like, that means men are smarter, A, yeah. and B, 
it's genetic mm. slash in you from birth. And both of those concepts are just, from the beginning, made me really uncomfortable. Yeah. And so what you've done is really helpful for me because it kind of suggests that it may be differences that are A, not based on what you could have done. It's not like your raw material of your brain couldn't handle yeah. it. It's just that from like age three, you were shut down as a woman or encouraged as a man from exploring, practicing, getting better. Yeah. That just makes me feel so much better about the topic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel, you know what? That's a great point, Dan, because I feel like I'm comfortable with the topic, um, partly because being a stand up comedian, I've like, when I like when I read these findings, like, is this? I guess I don't kind of see it as something that changes my perception of how funny women are, because I've just met so many who just crack me up, and that's not even just on the stand-up circuit. That's mm. just like in my life. Yeah. So when I look at this, I feel like the importance of asking this question is not necessarily in the answer that it provides. I feel like from the answer it provides, we can then say, okay, then why and that's what we're discussing now mm. the why mm. and i think when we actually discuss the why we can then say okay then maybe the changes that we we need to make in society it might not necessarily be changing how men and women interact with one another it might be changing how we perceive children yeah because if we can give them a better start mm. then when they do grow up they might just feel a lot more comfortable not just with humor but with being themselves. Yeah. And I feel like that's the importance is when you ask a question like this and it says that the study finds men to be significantly funnier, well done. Every dude can pat himself on the yeah. back. <laughs> but like, if I'm fortunate enough to have kids someday, like I just want them to grow up and to be able to be the best version of themselves. So when I see this, I think, oh, wow. Well, maybe if I do have a daughter someday... And she is maybe like, you know, pretty funny or maybe yeah. a bit like aggressive or, or traits that I wouldn't necessarily associate with a cute little girl. It's not my job to now be a bit like, no, be more girl. Yeah. It's my job to be a bit like, yes, how do I pull out the... Um, and maybe there are certain bits that are like, you know, these cognitive traits or these innate things where I can say, oh, like maybe I can pull out more of these as opposed to me thinking you're supposed to be mm -hmm. dot, dot, yeah. dot. How do I groom you into that? Yeah. Because also each individual has a personality. Yes. And that, like, we can't discount That's that. Right. Like, that is just something and that some you Some of that is hereditary, apparently. Yeah. 50% of up this Up to 50% from what so I've I think read, that's yeah. at least kind of interesting. Yeah. That's, that's, that's different from being funny it's the idea of do you want to be funny yeah is it part of your value system your personality blah 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 yeah so i think that that's also kind of interesting um why don't we talk a little bit about in their methodology how are they judging funny yes it's yes. yeah. a big one that is a big one and that's kind of what i mean by this humor production ability is like what is even the humor that they're assessing and at what parameters does that exist within and yeah. who's setting those parameters yep. and at, at what time were those set and as we've said some of these studies go back to the 70s so what was funny in this and some of them um i think a couple of them deal with cartoons like people having to put a caption on a cartoon yep. like in the new yorker yeah. that's a classic yeah. thing right. yeah so like some people don't find cartoons funny or had ne have probably never even seen funny cartoons. Yeah. So what does that mean yeah. for them? someone to come in and say, okay, the, the parameters of your ability to produce humour, are you doing this one thing? Yeah. And they give 
This is the beauty of a meta-analysis, but it's the problem with each study. <laughs> yes. The problem with each study is, like, some of the studies said, here's a picture. You have one minute. Come up with a caption. Yeah. Other ones were like, you have a week. So yeah. right there, that's funny. Other ones didn't do that. They gave people, like, a beginning. Like, they said, why did the old man and his wife drive to the North Pole? Yeah. <laughs> And then you have to come up with something funny around that topic. He wanted the old man wanted the woman to explain in great detail and with a witness account why he saw her kissing Santa underneath the tree. <laughs> it's like <laughs> Jeff, how are you rating that bit of humor? Really bad. I'm laughing out for lightness. That episode of humor production. But like this is like such a a, a great lead as well because they were because the study does it does criticize itself which a lot of the studies yes. that we do on the, uh, on this podcast they do ask themselves questions that you would naturally ask reading it and so this idea of do you want someone to produce one joke or do you want them to, to produce 10 do you want them to be able to do it in 30 seconds or do you want to give them a week but also um it was also this kind of like with like the captions as mm. you mentioned it's like what kind of muscle and they also looked at like um the judges do we want it to be judged by one individual or maybe it's judged by 10 yeah if it is 10 individuals what is that gender balance yeah so they were kind of like pushing loads of work to one side to be a bit like we can see like maybe mm. obvious biases in this so they really were trying to refine it but they were also aware that this was a specific type of humor and it was also there's specific things that you can possibly pull from it yeah so this wasn't like a definitive answer no. which um i just wanted to kind of like backtrack to as well yeah uh i'm oh, sorry I was, I was pointing at you I you were, were, you were pointing at me in. and yeah. i did have something to say oh, and completely <laughs> lost the thread uh i had to stay halfway through what happens you were saying <laughs> well, um, i'll say something about this two uh, step process of like there's humor creation and there's humor evaluation. And then they break that up again where they say, well, humor creation is all about like being given a non-funny stimuli yeah. and then having a humor response to it. Okay. I don't know. We can argue about whether that is or isn't humor creation. I don't I, know. I would say it definitely is. It is part of it. It's part of it. But yeah. it also yeah. is the case. Like what if you're just like at a dinner party and other people are being funny and then you lob on something even funnier to that. Yeah. So mm. it's not yes. the only yeah. thing, yeah. right? And then there's also humor evaluation, which is like ratings of stimuli, which is almost like a dry cracker in my mouth. <laughs> there's something so weird about talking about humor and then calling it ratings of stimuli (laughs) (laughs) it's almost like non sequitur in my brain and and that's like is that like you're rating your response to it like somebody's rating so other people let's call them judges are rating their emotional responses to what the humor producer uh, created in response to a non-funny stimuli. Yeah. It's quite stilted, is my point. It is very stilted. stilted. And also, again, it just keeps going back to culture. Because you would not find something funny that maybe uh, someone from a completely different culture with their sister generated because it's an in-joke. Yet these people are, like, thinking about the broader... Because they're trying to conduct a study. So obviously they're thinking, what is the broader, more technical kind of thing that is being got at with this gag and so it's just always about culture because how can you remove culture from this parameter part of what Jim's saying that i'm intrigued by is the whole tree falls in a forest did you hear it kind of thing it's like this if you go to a culture where you're tone deaf to the norms of that culture yeah. you're not going to be funny no 
Yep. And yet, in another culture, you may be judged as hilarious. Mm. And it shows that there's no such thing as being humorous. Yeah. yeah. That, that's the, that's a, like such a great point as well, because even within your culture, you find this challenge. Like, I could crack a joke between the two of you, and the two of you might be like, we score that at a nine. That's generous. That's very good. I never said nine out of what? I just said a nine. Like, like a hundred. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and then we could have two different individuals, very similar circumstances, same joke, different response. Yeah. And so humor's like, I think humor's a really... It's like this this gut-wrenching quality because it's something where... Like, if we take other qualities that humans could exude, like yeah. um, kindness, you can reject someone's kindness. Uh, you can look at generosity. You can reject their generosity. When it comes to humour, someone making you laugh is removing you from your control. So, like, your response to it isn't necessarily how you want to respond. When something is funny, like if I want to find something yeah. funny, like, I, like let, let's say if we take like uh, the sequel to Anchorman, I wanted to enjoy it. I was like, please, yes. dear Lord, let yeah. this be funny. About 90 minutes, I don't think there was one involuntary. <laughs> like I just, it just wasn't enjoyable. Sure. And I think humor, it, it, it pulls at something within us because someone who's funny, they've got a degree of control over other individuals and you will laugh whether or not you want to unless you're I proper I don't know like, if that's true I have to say because if you don't like someone yeah even when you igno- like I've sat in a packed room of people and I really like um, no names don't maybe just don't like someone on a personal level yeah. and everyone else is laughing and I'm not even it's not even moving like nothing is happening in my body so I don't know that what you've just said is true almost like you have developed an, an immunity to their humor yes, because of them because and of them. yeah and um i think both are sort of true in a way this is uh part of what makes this question so complex there doesn't seem to be humorous that's aside from the interaction between the two people mm. the culture that they're in yeah. and nevertheless they want to ask that question they want to ask that question, and I don't know. You know, they bring yeah. up all this stuff about like mating strategy and whether or not men are supposed. Can we get to into that it? a little bit? Like, just on have we got? Yeah, but just really quickly, what we to be really unfunny, we don't need to be consenting in order to mate, right? To be really, really unfunny and frank. So, what is humor doing that is actually beyond just mating, right? What is humour actually doing? It's about bonding. So it's about staying around. It's not about just, I'm going to secure this person so I can create one baby. It's about staying around. It's about connecting people and building a bond. I like that a lot. I also like the idea you could still use an evolutionary lens and say it's about not being ostracized, but instead being protected by the group. It's about building sense of community much in the same way that music would if you had a musician that could Mm. bang on drums and get people moving in unison Mm. you would become a very valuable character in that tribe because you were making communication and connection happen Mm. and uh you could almost view it that way which is completely non-sexual but it could be evolutionary yeah so that's a great point yeah. Oh man, nonsense! Like any dude I know who's in a band, <laughs> I'm telling him that it's not like <laughs> they're cleaning up, man. Like, you put a comic in a room with a dude who can play guitar, I might as well just leave. Like, <laughs> 
Oh god! Any any closing remarks uh, from from either of you before we uh, we 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 tap out on this one? Yeah. I mean, my my biggest question of this study was just why, just why, mm-hmm. like why do it? Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. it. No, I, why yeah, are no, we no, obsessed yeah. with it? Like, I, who cares? I, I, I feel I feel like it's a I feel like it's a good question to ask. One of the things I do like about science is it because, like, I think in terms of like the who cares, I think it's a bit. Um, like if we've got these stereotypes of yeah. people casually going around saying men are funnier than women, women aren't funny. I think it's very useful for science to weigh in and then start to like kind of open up that lens. And sure. one of the authors do say that what they would ideally like is for more research. And if we start getting more and more research, because through reading this, it was making me consider like. Mm other areas in which I interact with other people to be a bit like where are my biases kind Mm. of like kicking in like when I am engaging with women is there elements of me that is going into it not expecting them to be funny and like is that like a judgment that Mm. I need to like scrub it's not one that I hold because I know several like hilarious women but there's several people out there who Mm. it's like as a woman it's like no you need to step up to make me laugh whereas Mm. there's a certain like leniency or grace that they'll afford a man yeah. and similar with like subject matter so I feel like once we start asking the question we can then start having discussions like this and through discussion hopefully we can then kind of bring about kind of mm. like change anything from yourself the last thing I would throw out there is for much of my life when I you know read newspaper articles or I hear television talk shows and so on there seems to be a belief out there that this is something women want in a mate like when they say, "What matters the most about you when you're dating?" I can't tell you how many times I've heard, "Just want them to make me laugh." Yeah, and so that would be called like a vernacular. That there's a, a a trope that's out there, and I've heard it since I was young. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting as a researcher. Is it true? Because <laughs> are voice. we allowed to say we want someone really sexy? Are we allowed to say that? Mm, I am. Sorry, Dan. Sorry. Absolutely right. And so I just found it to be interesting in that sense because, as a social, um, if can I call myself a social scientist? I guess so. <laughs> you just wonder if you can put these assumptions to the test. Can you? Can you bring some rigor to the question rather than it just being a trope? And so I found that to be an interesting piece of this uh, research. And I also say that. While all these different studies used hugely biased and questionable tactics to get their data, when you start looking at 5,300 people across 36 studies and there is a clear trend, Mm. then you can then start to say, okay, it's there. Mm. Whether or not it should be there is a question. Why is it there is a question? Mm. And that lets you unfold to the next level of science. But I loved having you on the show. Oh, thank you so much much. for having me. Thanks for joining us, Jim. Oh, listeners. Uh, <laughs> super, uh, listeners, super when you've got time, uh, when you see us pop up in your in your Twitter, your Facebook, your LinkedIn, do feel free to hit uh, like. Make sure that you are subscribed and join us uh, every Wednesday for some more sweet, sweet orange. Skew- yeah, okay. <laughs> where where, where can go. they find there us? Where can they find us? They can, they can find us on podcast apps, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean. We we are around. Thank you very much for rocking with us, lovely people. Enjoy your lives. Oh, that's Bye. Ciao. <laughs> Bye.